The Chad Cobbick Podcast Network. Two Angry Men. A podcast featuring a legendary baseball player and a legendary sports broadcaster. Two Angry Men. And now here's your hosts, Chad Cobbick and Denny McLean. All right, uh, gang. First of all, we advise you to put your uh, seat back into a full and upright position and welcome to a Two Angry Men. Starring the pride and joy of Motown, Detroit, Michigan, my good friend. Former 31-game winner, Denny McLean. I'm Chet Kopik right here in Chicago. All right, uh, what, are you, what are you mad about or, or burned up about as regards Steve Phillips getting, uh, getting whacked by uh, ESPN? You know what? The world of sports has become scandal. It's one scandal after another. Let's start with Steve Phillips, then John Riggins, and then we can talk about this kid who tried to take this other guy's eyes out during a football game. It's Steve Phillips first. What really irritates me about Steve Phillips, this is the guy that was messing around with a 22-year-old. This isn't the first time that Mr. Phillips has had his ding-ding out playing with somebody else's wing-wing. This is not the first time. This is not the first time he's been caught. He's had these. He's got a history of it. And now, this is what gets me, folks. He goes to rehab. What is that going to do? Stop him from having an erection in his life? Is that what rehab is all about? What help can he get at his age? What is he, 50-something, and now he's going to rehab? He should have went to rehab 30 years ago when he realized he possibly had a problem. But why didn't he go to rehab 30 years ago? Because probably when he got caught the first time by his wife, his wife just said, okay, honey, I'll take you back. And then he got away with it again. But the bottom line is Steve Phillips really wound up being a scumbag here. And this excuse of what he has or what he is or his emotional state now going to rehab is nothing but a poor, poppy, poopy excuse for just bad behavior. Then you, then you go to John Riggins. John Riggins today called the owner of the Washington Redskins that the owner has a dark heart. What the hell does that mean, Chester the Molester? All right, first of all, I've known John Briggins for about uh, 10 years. Matter of fact, we used to do a football uh, handicapping show in Las Vegas together. For John Briggins to say that anybody has a dark heart is the theater of the absurd because Riggins is one of the most complex, conflicted people that God ever put on earth. That being said, Denny, Dan Snyder, the guy who does run the Washington yeah. Redskins, who insists upon everybody calling him Mr. Snyder, is a world-class SOB. Well, I, you know, I don't know him. I mean, I can't tell you, but but if he's asking everybody to call him Mr. Snyder, man, he thinks he's uh, Jesus reincarnated just because he owns a football team. Listen, uh, this is not like the old owners that used to be, you know, regular uh, I don't, I don't mean to imply that all of them, but you know, the old owners in baseball and football, they were a bunch of guys who would get together a couple of four, five, six, ten times a year. And what did they do? They sat around and drank their Johnny Walker and they drank their bourbon and they drank their scotch and they had a bunch of laughs and split the money up from the league. But this is different. Now you've got all these high techie guys in there, guys with real money, by the way, and Snyder wanting to be called Mr. You know, listen, Mr. This or Mr. That does not make you a good person. Person. Just because they call him Mr. doesn't mean that anybody has respect for him. And based upon everything I'm hearing since the Riggins stuff had come out the last couple of days, you know, listen, nobody's defending Snyder. Nobody. And uh, that's not a good thing for your players to think that you really are uh, the owner of a dark heart. Now, now, we've got a guy here in Detroit by the name of Mike Illich. Right. The Pizza King. Now, 
my big screaming criticism of Mr. Illich is that he never takes care of the past. And I think when you buy a major league team, and he's owned them now for almost 20 years, when you buy a major league team, you have a responsibility, Chester, to take care of the past, to maintain the past, to do the right thing so the history of the game and the history of your city is carried on. Illich, there's several things he's allowed to happen. He allowed Tiger Stadium to be torn down, and every bit of it is gone, Chester, every bit. They left nothing for a dedication or nothing for a park. Number two, Illich takes care of nobody that played with the Tigers. Now, the guys who played the last 25 years, they got plenty of money. They don't need help. But but Illich doesn't go back and help guys who've been in trouble from the 60s, the 70s, maybe even the early 80s. He's never reached out and helped anybody. So maintaining the past, that would go a long way. And um, I'm just upset that any time he does a charitable thing this is like i talk about brandon inch for, from time to time every time brandon inch does a charity event there's 49 cameras there oh boy look at brandon well the same thing with mike illich every time illich wants to make a, a giant contribution or a contribution of some kind it's always big time mike is doing it for the charity if you're really into doing things for charity you don't let them know that you're around you don't make the announcement that's unfortunate but that's not going away. Then the other guy, the other guy, as long as we're talking about these characters, we got the kid who's trying to take out somebody's eyes, and he only gets a half a game suspension. Listen, you saw it. Against, you saw against like Vanderbilt, I, and to top it off, the kid, trying to kill a, him. the kid has a hamstring pull. He wasn't going to play anyway. Yeah. But, he, but, he, but, but, Chet, this guy, this was ugly. He tried to hurt him. If he did that in a bar or in a restaurant, or at some public other doing that's going on in the world, you know, this guy would be in jail today. He may not have gotten bail. And now he gets a half a game suspension? What the hell is wrong with the people who run the game? Is he that good of a player that he can go out and whack somebody and, and hurt somebody and almost end the guy's career? and still play because he's a good player? It makes no sense, my friend. Well, you know, we're, we're talking in general about the, uh, the the perversity of sports, and if I can, I want to take it into a different venue because this to me is just so ESPN, so completely ESPN that it makes me want to vomit. Andy Pettit, nice guy, great left-hander, 229 career wins. I'm hearing ESPN talk. Should Andy Pettit... Go in the Hall of Fame. Hello, have you ever heard of Tommy John, 288 career wins? Burt Blylevin, 287 career wins, 254 complete games. They're not in the Hall of Fame. Andy Pettit, backed by marvelous offensive Yankee machines during his entire career. Andy Pettit in the Hall of Fame? What, what, the Hall of Mediocre Fame, for heaven's sakes? You know what? You're right. I didn't know that. I didn't. I didn't know they were trying to promote him for the Hall of Fame. Listen, um, last year, this this past year, of course, he just set a new record for, I think, the most wins ever in postseason play. But for God's sakes, they play 14 games a year in postseason. Um, you know, to me, the best postseason pitcher has always been Whitey Ford. I thought he won oh, more big without games question. than anybody in the history of the game. But here's the thing about Pettit. This past year, he only made $5.5 million only. But he's 37 years old. Here's my point with Andy Pettit. Somebody should give him at least $5.5 million, $6 million, $7 million. I don't think anybody's going to pay big dollars for him at 37 because he's still got some problems. And who knows? Maybe he's still got the juice. I still think he's taking some juice because I don't think he should be as effective as he is at 37 years old because I never thought he had great stuff to begin with. But to promote him into the Hall of Fame 
let me see. Who sh- who else should we put there? Oh, let's put Brandon Inge in the Hall of Fame. I mean, come on, guys. I mean, this is crazy. I mean, Andy Pettit wouldn't make a pimple on the ass of a Hall of Famer, and that is the bottom line truth. He could not qualify. You've just named two of the guys. Bert Blylevin, for a number of years in the American League, was the best pitcher with one of the worst clubs in baseball, and he won a lot of ball games. Bert Blylevin had the best curveball God has ever allowed a human being to throw. They talk about Koufax, BS Koufax. They talk about some of these other guys with curveballs. Nobody had the curveball that Bert Blylevin did. And on top of that, he was really a nice guy, But uh, and he's still not in the hall. But, but you know what? i, I got to tell you this. Because of these guys, the Pettits and guys like this, who certainly don't qualify for the Hall of Fame, you are going to start to see some of these older guys now get in because the last 25 years, you've got nobody that's done anything significant to earn the Hall of Fame with the exception of a, of a handful of guys. So they're going to have to start looking deeper if they want to bring a pitcher in. And Bly Levin may get a shot over the next couple of years. I hope so. He certainly deserves to be there. Uh, Denny, I just don't know, though. You know, step and think. Cy Young, Bobby Feller, Warren Spahn, Bob Gibson, Andy Pettit. I mean, if that isn't a natural yeah, progression for the, hollow, Hall of Fame, it? for the Hall of Fame, I don't know what is. But, you know, something else. Now, you know, I understand that, you know, the World Series is the big kahuna, and you're trying like crazy to get the uh, the hardware and the payoff, the whole nine yards. But I got news for you. When you run six games and not one single World Series game ran under three hours and 25 minutes, for heaven's sakes, Gorma the wind didn't go. Three hours and 25 minutes. Why do you, have, why do you have a problem with that? I don't understand. Because, yeah, it's a long ball game, but it's the World Series, time, Chad. For heaven's sakes, Denny. There's two, how many times can I see Johnny Damon uh, scratch his crotch? Or, Char, or tight well, shots of Charlie Manuel? You know, if you're in the crotches, it's okay. Well, I'm not real big on crotches. and I, you know, the, the games are they're laborious. I mean, yes, they you, are. You, you, tell me, you tell me a 13-year-old kid who's conditioned to MTV and YouTube and immediate gratification and his iPod and his and his BlackBerry, you tell me he's yes. going to last a full 325. He ain't. Well, allow me to allow me to add one thing here. Um, the games in, in all of the World Series games were great games. I mean, all the playoffs seem to be great games this year. The ratings are way up and what have you. And that's only because New York and Philly were in it. But but let me say this to you. They these games don't start till the seventh inning. See, that's that's yeah. where the game slows down. Every night there was a game, the game slowed down in the seventh. That's when it starts to happen. And you've heard me on this show say any number of times, listen guys, uh you know, we got a kid up here and I can't even remember his name right now. He only pitched six innings all the time. Um the bottom line is he pitched six innings. He doesn't know what the hell it is to pitch in the seventh and eighth inning when the game is the game, when the game is really meant to be played, when the game has all the pressure and all of the points that need to be taken care of at that point in time. Uh, that's when the game is played, Chet. We all stick around for the seventh, eighth, and ninth inning, so I don't have a real problem with it. Um, yeah, you'd like to see it a little bit shorter, but the only way you're going to get it shorter, Chet, is if you restrict the number of meetings that go on on the mound with the infielders, and I don't suspect baseball will, will screw around with that at all, not for a long time. By the way, um, they got a Pete Rose thing going on over in uh, Taiwan. Have you heard about it? No, no. Uh, what, well, let, what, me br- let me bring you up to speed. In fact, I think they may name Taiwan? Pete as the commissioner over there now. Uh, Taiwan, who has had some problems, you know, they got they have their own corner of Major League Baseball over there. Yeah. 
and they have now got a like a federal investigation of they're investigating pitchers over there for throwing games. If a pitcher threw a game over there, they found out with this organized crime group, he was paid $90,000 to throw a game. Now, this isn't the first time. This is the third or fourth time. But they're talking about bringing Pete Rose over there to judge the merits of the case. Wouldn't that be something? Wait, you, 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 you can't be serious. I'm you're, serious as a heart gonna take. You're going to take the pride and joy of Cincinnati, Ohio, Peter Edward Rose, the world's worst degenerate gambler who lives on Las Vegas Boulevard, who sleeps in the sports book at Caesars Palace, and you're going to bring him over to Taiwan to be judge and jury on whether or not games have been fixed? I'd rather send John Gotti over. I think what they mean by it is that they want to interview Pete, get all of the information from Pete about betting and cheating on baseball, of how you can not put a player in. They want they 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 kind of want Pete to give them a blueprint. Now you and I both know. Uh, listen, Petey's not a Rhodes Scholar, but Petey is not going to get on a plane and go to Taiwan and tell him about the blueprint, how he kept the guy out or how he removed the guy earlier in the game than when he should have, or when he didn't play the star on a on an afternoon game. Petey ain't going to tell him that. You know, and I still like Pete. I, I mean, and this is oh, a little so bit tongue-in-cheek. But, you know, Petey is, like I said, he was born at night, but not last night. So I think we're safe. I don't think Petey will go over there and give him the whole dish. But there's a lot to dish, by the way. I, I would also mention this. If Pete Rose is going to Taiwan, he ain't going at no charge. Pete does nothing, as you know, Denny, NC. There's got to be some kind of payoff on the back end for Pete Rose. That, there's that's, a minimum. That's just logic. Listen, if you want Pete to appear for you, there's a minimum of 25 to 50K. And that, and, and I'm not talking about cereal, folks. I am talking about 50K, 100K cash. And I got to tell you something, though. I, I, I mean this from the bottom of my heart. He earns it. You say Pete Rose is coming to your function and you will sell out. I don't care what the fee is. Pete will earn his money. He will pack those seats. I'll tell you why that's valid. When I was uh, doing my TV gig in New York back in the uh, mid-1990s, I got this crazy idea. I had a next-door neighbor named uh, Charlie Sferlaza, who I always thought was a wise guy. But, I mean, that being said, he was a huge Yankee fan. Used to go to card shows every week. Had Joe D, Yogi, the Mick. You know, had just Yankee memorabilia all over his basement. I said to Charlie, Charlie, why don't you run a card show? Well, he had Major League Coin. He said... You know, what does it cost? And I floated him a number of about 40, 50 grand, and he put me in charge of booking the show. I booked Ron Guidry, Goose Gossage. I got my buddy, Macho Man Randy Savage, for comedy relief to come up from Florida. And I, I called Pete Rose, and Pete said, you know, talk to Warren Green, maximum <laughs> 700 signatures. We sold 550 signatures before the show opened. Oh, yeah. That's the impact of Pete Rose. I I did a show with him in Fort Wayne, Indiana, um, a long time ago, 12, 14 years ago, when the shows were still really something, and they were rocking and rolling. And we did it at the Fort Wayne Coliseum. People don't believe what I'm about to tell you when I tell them the story about his drawing ability. You know, he's got all this baggage, and people want to see him. And people love Pete. Pete is lovable. Uh, Pete signed autographs for well over four and a half or five hours and the line i don't know if you've ever been in the fort wayne coliseum but it's a typical hockey arena it's round and it goes forever around and around and around the line was two times deep around the arena 
That's how many people were in line paying fifteen and twenty dollars. That back then it was only about twenty dollars. Uh, twenty dollars for an autograph. It was the most incredible line of people I have ever seen. I would have never believed it had I not been there. And by the way, that was also the same weekend that I'm sitting at dinner with him and the guys that really became rats in his life. Um, and they were talking about doing a cocaine deal. They were talking about how do you get into and who would you contact and how would you run the stuff and this. And I looked at him and I said, you guys are smoking dope. You can't be serious. And the one guy, the Italian guy, and I can't think of his name right offhand, Michael, uh, I'll think of it here in a second. A bag of donuts? Said, huh? Bag of donuts? Something like bag of donuts. Uh, my, this guy was as serious as a heart attack. And Pete never said we're kidding. Never ever said we were kidding. And what, and what, now we're walking back. We were having dinner. Now we're walking back to the arena after dinner. And I put my arm around him and I said, Pete, I'm just going to give you the greatest advice of your life. Don't you dare. These guys will all be the biggest rats you've ever seen in your life. I said, I'm not saying you don't do it or don't do it, but if you do it, you don't, you do it by yourself. You don't do it with three jerk offs that are going to put you in jail for 35 years. Don't you dare. And of course, that story came out, of course, during all of the bad times he was having that somebody said they were talking about cocaine and they were doing this and doing that. They wanted to do drug deals. I mean, my God. I mean, he scared the hell out of me that night sitting at dinner because he never ever said, Oh, stop it. You know, he just let it roll and roll. I don't know if they were looking for an answer from me, but uh, the bottom line was, man, did I run away from that one. Thank God. Well, as usual, we have uh, wowed the audience. We have uh, we have given you people an entirely new perspective on Major League Baseball. I will say in closing, uh, Big Mac, my dear friend, Fox, Major League Baseball, it is time to make a, a ha- tough, hard decision. Get rid of Tim McCarver. He's he terrible. Is deadly boring. He is dull. He is listless. I have not laughed at a Tim McCarver ad lib since uh, Ronald Reagan was in office. Find some. Well, you know, you know what the thing about Tim is Tim Tim writes down all of his ad libs. So there's nothing ad libbed. He he practices them. He writes them down all week. Uh, oh, you know, Tim is Tim is like Tim is Tim. <laughs> Tim has been trying to be this holier-than-thou saint for many, many years, and he's gotten away with it somehow. But, you know, listen, we all march to a different drummer. He marches to a different one. And uh, God bless him. Let him keep marching. Mr. McLean, a pleasure as always. The jury will now adjourn to, uh, to render a verdict, which we will give to our audience seven days from now. Very good, sir. I'll have a great week. You have a great week. Everybody have a terrific week. And, boy, we got a new owner with the Cubs. Won't next year be great? Look out, Cubby. Yeah, we'll only be 102 years away from our last World Series win. <laughs> Take care, Big Mac. Bye-bye. All right, Denny. <laughs>